Hello and welcome to the 1-160th of a second podcast. We are now on episode three. So hello and welcome. My name's Gareth and joining me today in this podcast is returning guest Drew. Hello, Drew. Hi, Gareth. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Would you just like to give yourself a brief introduction for those who don't already know you? My name's Drew. I'm a primarily a dance photographer, although I've shot plenty of other things, but dance is what I focus on at the moment, dance performing arts, and that's how I make my living. Excellent, thank you. In this podcast today, we're going to talk about should we be shooting more black and white images? And just before we start, I just want to say I'm not a, an expert, and please don't take what I say as gospel. It's only my thoughts and opinions, and the same goes for Drew, really. So just that little disclaimer there. So, black and white photography. Do you shoot any black and white photography, Drew? I do, yeah. I, I love it. Uh, and have done for, a, for a, a long time. Back in the early 90s, I used to shoot, I used to shoot on Kodak T-Max 3200, which was probably my favourite film of the day. Now, is that the one that you can develop, you can give into a colour shop and it will come out in black and white? Is that the one? No, that XP2, if I remember rightly. So that was a, yeah, that that, that was essentially a colour process that um, you, you'd get the, the images, though, the, the, the prints would come back in a kind of a sepia finish. No, T-Max 3200 was, a, was a, a very, very grainy black and white film. Obviously, the 3200 was, it was, that would give you the same as now shooting at 3200 ISO on your digital camera. So if you wanted to shoot in low light, that's the type of thing that you'd use. And particularly for the grain, because it, it, it kind of, for me, it evokes the old, you know, the, the black and white images of the probably the 50s and 60s or press press photography as it was then before that went colour. It had that kind of was that that had a very grainy feel but it, it somehow that added to the atmosphere of the, of the black and white image so and because it was non-standard as it were it, it that was part of the attraction that you could create images that, that, that just had a bit more feeling to them i guess something special for me anyway so did you used to develop your own film i used to get <laughs> it's funny actually because i was at the time i was i was pretty penniless i was pretty penniless i saw i was i was at I was outside the, the, the local newspaper office and I saw this guy walk out with, a, with his camera bag over his shoulder and I, I basically accosted him in the street and said, you know, are you a photographer? Do you work for the paper? And he said yes. And he was, he was a sort of similar age to me at the time. And I said, is there any way I could get... I just started picking his brains, really, as we were walking. And I said, is there any way we could get, get some black and white films developed? So he, he then told me about their printer and they had a full-time printer uh, and I then went into the office and asked for this guy and he came down and I started paying him something like a, a pound per contact sheet so periodically I would take in black and white films into the Bolton Evening News ask for Nigel who would come down and I'd give him this handful of films and he'd disappear and then I'd come back sort of two or three days later and he'd hand me uh, a, a bunch of contact sheets and, and negatives then I would select the ones I wanted uh, printing, go back to him, and then I'd, again I'd pay him about a pound each for 10 by 8 prints and look at the images and specify what, what grade I wanted them printed at. So quite often I'd be, I'd be looking for high contrast because I had this, I'd been using this, this grainy film and I'd, I'd just go back and say, you 
print they use in grade four or you know three and a half or something like that to give me and then he he he'd print them and that was that you know so we had a, we had this a, a symbiotic relationship for about a year where that's how i got my my black and whites processed and printed i would say as well for um for inflation purposes in the in the mid 90s a mars bar would be about 25 pence so your one pound was four <laughs> mars bars so god knows what that is today mars bars are so expensive for this guy of course it was he was he was employed by the newspaper as he was just buying mars bars with your money wasn't he so it, it was probably beer money for him you know if you could go in and get go in and get 10 10 by eights for ten pounds, you know, which which was pretty decent, so I was happy with it, and that's how I got my black and whites printed at that particular time. And then later on, a few years, a, a few years later, I moved to uh, another part of the country, and and I found in the local arts centre they had a dark room which you could go and pay to use for you know a couple of quid an hour and there was a sh- there was a shop that provided all the, the various printing supplies that really worked almost in conjunction with the dark room so I'd go in there and spend i don't know you know sometimes spend four hours in, in, in an evening just printing and i'd print everything at, if i was going to print anything like a finished print it i'd always print it 16 by 20 because that's what if i'm going to spend all this time in the dark room and only come out with one print then it's going to be big <laughs> it's going to be something that makes it feel that makes it worthwhile so again i did that for quite a i did that for a couple of years as well and then other things got in the way so uh, and, and then of course digital came along so you got something we had to do but going going back to the title of the episode should we be shooting more black and white images i think for film if you're using film definitely because i like you i've developed in my bathroom films when i shot film and i i I like to shoot film it's really nice and i started off developing black and white now with black and white it's quite easy to develop it you can't really mess it up and the chemicals aren't that bad so i developed quite a lot of black and white film once i got quite good at that I moved into colour, which is the C41 process. And that's where I came across the Kodak T-Max film that was, we were talking about earlier. You could use in C41. However, doing colour processing yourself on film is a lot more tricky, a lot more fiddly, and a lot more expensive. You've got a lot more chemicals. You've obviously got your red, green, and blue channels that you need to develop. So if I was just a film photographer, I definitely would be doing more black and white photography. The only downside, of course, is you can't just take it to your local boots or you can't send it off because everyone, all the labs really, do the C41 colour processing. But if you want to develop it at home, and it is fun, I, I, I certainly would recommend black and white. Maybe fun's not the word, actually. It's, you get a nice, it's nice to see the end product. Oh, wow, I did that. But yeah, there are some things that I think black and white photography works really well for. And there are other things that it doesn't work really well for. So I might take a, a digital image and I might think that the colours get in the way. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh yeah, without, yeah, absolutely. Let's There's, take the uh, colours away. Something, something I shot a couple of weeks ago where really the, the, the environment I was in had enough distractions from the, 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 the main figures and I wanted I wanted two things I wanted to minimize the distraction and even though the environment was intentionally decorated in a very neutral and low-key tones there was still far too many distractions that took the eye you know that filled the frame and took the eye away from from the subjects and converting them to black and white and you know dialing in the 
the, the amount of contrast I wanted was the only way really to give them the impact that, that I felt they needed and, uh, and to eliminate all these other little things that shouting from the image and asking you to look at them as well as look at the main subject. So uh, I think sometimes it's almost essential. That said, it won't rescue, like Photoshop, it won't rescue a bad image. Yes, you're right. It, it won't rescue an image. But sometimes you, you pull an image into, say, Lightroom. That's what I use. And I think, would it look better in black and white? And I will convert it to black and white with one click. And it does. And sometimes you, you can't really give a rationale why it looks better in black and white but it just does. So it's quite good. It can, you can get rid of garish colors by putting it in black and white. You can also, in Lightroom, adjust your black and white. So you can play with the colors and make them lighter or darker to create effect you want. But also, I think if you take an image at high ISO and it's a very grainy image, to most people, in color, it they will pick up on the grain. Oh, don't like that. The grain doesn't look good. But in black and white, it, al it can almost enhance it somehow. Or grain... People have a higher tolerance for high grain when it's black and white, I think. Sports photographers, you know, who are covering, say, premiership football, that type of thing, where they're shooting night matches. Uh, and even though even though they're under floodlight, they're, to get the shutter speeds that they need to get to, to, to get the action, to freeze the action, they're shooting at very high ISOs. And these are the pictures that we'll see on TV screens and... Uh, that we'll see in, in, in papers and magazines. But but no one would want to see that in black and white, would they? People would be appalled if those images of, of the football were in black and white, I think. Well, I don't know. I think there's, um, there's, a, there's a sports photographer that I'm aware of that uh, he has a quite an interesting, an interesting blog. And this, this guy's covered some really, you know, some world-class events like you know the olympics the world cup that kind of thing and there are some stunning black and white sports images that you know they they, they stand on their own and that and i think that's probably the thing with it with with a black and white image perhaps more so than a, than a color image the image can stand on its own and i think perhaps one of the other things that they evoke times gone by you know they evoke uh, another era and you look at images by bailey and Terence Donovan, uh, the French guys, Cartier-Bresson or uh, uh, Duano, people like that. And even into the 70s with, with Helmut Newton, you know, a lot of their standout images are black and white images. So when we're producing black and white today, it's not because we need to. We're often doing it from a, a, an artistic perspective rather than, a, than a, a necessity. Whereas back then they did it as a necessity because there was a certain period where colour film was much more expensive and colour processing was much more expensive. Doing doing some history for this, um, doing some research for this podcast, black and white film didn't really take off till the 70s. So you're right, there was there is an element of necessity. So you've got that, speaking of sports photography, you've got that um, really standout image of Muhammad Ali, that classic one of that famous fight he did. That's in black and white because that was the only option at the time. Now, had that been taken in colour, it might not have stood the test of time as well as black and white. Black and white, to me, does give a, a bit more longevity to the image. It does make it more timeless. And, and maybe that's because colours in fashion go, don't they? They they come and go. You look at old photos, and, oh God, did I wear, look, look at that wallpaper. 
look at that shirt I was wearing. Whereas you wouldn't see that in black and white. And I do think it gives it a much more timeless effect. But black and white has been around for ages. Obviously, the first photography was in black and white. If we look back to Fox Tolbert in 1835, he came out with his photographic process there's a bit of debate about was he first or not. We're not going to get into that today. In 1888, Kodak released the box camera again in black and white. And it wasn't really till 1935 that we saw a film. But like you say, it was much more expensive. And then with things, you know, as you would expect, once it got to a lower price and it picked up a critical mass, it took over. And then black and white became the niche rather than colour. And I think after colour went mainstream, black and white was maybe seen as a bit artsy. Yeah, yeah, I- Possibly, and and, and 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 even now there there is a sort of a cynical joke of you know the certain things. Well, if you make it black and white, it, it's art. That's how to make your images art. Convert them into black and white. Other than that, if they're not, then they're just pictures. You know, um, and I say that I say that tongue in cheek. That's just it's one of those things. A view that does the rounds, shall we say? So, when would you favour a black and white image over a colour image? Why would you Why would you make an image black and white? Because you feel it needs it or it or it or it warrants it you know or it's a or it makes it a better image yeah well so so then it needs it to make it a better image you know it's um it's one of these things that it's quite interesting when people they post pictures online and they say what do you think color or black and white and and lots of people then chip in with reasons the whys and the wherefores and it's never something that i've had an issue uh, deciding, I've never had a problem deciding colour or black and white. It was something that, for me, instinctively, I know what that image, what I want, how I want to see that image. There's, there are so many different things that will go into that, whether it's the, the content, the, the tone, the, the style. I mean, it can be so many different things, but there's, so there's something that I get looking at an image and go, you know what, I need to either get rid of all that colour for whatever reason, whether it's because it's distracting or it doesn't give me the feel I want or whatever. Well, no, that's that's how it that's how it looks best and that's how it's going to stay. But I never shoot anything in black and white. I, I always know if anything, if an image that I produce ends up in black and white, then it, it's shot in colour, but then it gets converted. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was, I was about to jump in with that. Most people, when they press that button on the camera, they're taking a colour image and then it's a step later to convert it to black and white if you're using raw or you might have um you might actually be taking jpegs and have those as black and white but our cameras today our digital cameras are color with the exception you get some black and white only cameras and um, we might talk about those later so i've got some stats for those but going back to the question i asked you of when would you favour black and white over colour? I think colour and black and white images have a certain have a bit of a relationship to the genre of the image. For example, if I was taking a travel photograph, if I was doing travel photography, going to exotic locations, I would probably shoot a colour image and I'd probably, when I develop it, push the saturation and the vibrancy of the colour and I would do that, get quite luscious greens and quite big colours. If I was doing headshots, I might go for black and white if I'm doing something I want to convey something in the image like a feeling or an idea or street photography or something, I might go for black and white. So I think what I'm getting at is it can be heavily linked to the genre you're shooting. Just recently, um, I did a shoot with um, an actor. He's, he's, he's been on the telly recently. Uh, he's been shot in a, uh, in, a, in 
a very smart hotel. And one of the locations in the hotel that we used in its restaurant had lots of framed pictures of famous film stars from, you know, Hollywood all through the ages. They were very much a, a gallery. Images, square images, 3D in black frames, beautifully done. And I, I, I shot some uh, images of him sitting in front of these, um, these pictures of these actors. And he was in a smart suit. Actually, one of the, 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 the thing now, the guy's in a, um, he's, he's just about to star in a musical, and uh, a, a theatre musical. And I shot, there's a picture of him that I did, of him sort of looking off pensively, but behind him is a picture of Fred Astaire. And the musical is a, you know, it's a big song and dance thing. And he's, he's also a very, very accomplished uh, dancer. And I thought it was a nice juxtaposition of him being the now generation and Fred Astaire obviously being from generations gone by but there was a connection there between them actually the 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 questions in my mind of black and white and color were one could argue that the black and white image of the the famous dancer behind him is a reflection of you know time gone by and then having the rest of the image having the image in color shows this current guy as being you know up to date so in that instance there's an argument for it to be left in colour, but when I converted it to black and white, it just tied in. A, a, for me, it tied in a lot better. It sort of made them synonymous with each other. You know, this guy is, is, is as I said, he's an actor, he's a dancer, he's going to be starring in a musical, and then behind him is this legendary actor and, and, and dancer and they're they're in the same they're sort of glued together by this the fact that the image is black and white and he preferred the black and whites as well that was the other thing that was quite uh, that was quite telling that he, he you know his gut feeling was can they be black and white it is it is also subjective if you said to him oh why why do you prefer the black and white he probably wouldn't be able to give you an answer other than i think it looks better when I first started in photography, to, to get better, I did some headshots uh, of people. And it was a bit like a conveyor belt. I just did lots of headshots. And I stuck an orange filter in front of my portrait lens. You know, those old school coking orange filters. So the, the images came out orange and I intended to make them black and white. And it was really good because it gave... Yes, you can, you can do it in Photoshop and you can do it in software. But it was really good. The orange filter really smoothed their skin and it gave like a really good image. Obviously, when I showed it to them on the back of the camera, like, oh, that, that's orange. Well, of course it is. I've got something orange on, on front of the lens. It meant I didn't have to do so much post-processing because using an orange filter does make people look better in black and white. So I just converted it to grayscale in the computer and I got some really good images. I was really pleased. I think they wouldn't have looked so good in colour and they were against a white background as well. So they did look quite quite timeless we're, we're really used to seeing images against a white background it's quite commonplace now but with black and white it does look good and what you're doing there is you're you're immediately evoking something of a of another era so again the you know the headshots that bailey shot in the 60s and it, i mentioned donovan before but if you look at his work there's, there's a great similarity to that as well so you created, you, you know, if, if the other elements are, are not a million miles away as well, what you're doing is when you say you're creating a timeless image, you're creating an image that, that almost like we've seen, you know, you're creating something we've seen before or we're familiar with. Perhaps that's one of the reasons why we feel comfortable with it as well. 
we look at it and we think, you know, that, that gives us that sort of feeling of comfort because it, it reminds us of an image that we really liked when we saw a famous actor or artist or some, somebody shot in this way. Because people, that, that, that's what we respond to, isn't it? We respond to, we, 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 we need familiarity to feel comfort and then we need something fresh to stimulate the, you know, to stimulate our imagination. Now I think we should talk about the advantages of shooting in black and white, if any. I've obviously talked about if you're going to shoot at high ISO, you can sort of lessen the pain of the grain. That's that's a pain of the grain, and by t- going to black and white. Bear in mind, this is this, this is something that that I think it's something that that digital has brought with it. People started wanting clean images. They wanted you know smooth images and and. Well, sharp is sharp, regardless of the ISO, regardless of the regardless of the grain. I'm, I'm talking about the smooth sort of, you know, high resolution images, and noise then became a a dirty word, you know. And so noise. So there's a whole generation of people that have, that have taken to photography in the digital era that, era that have never shot film, and while they will complain about noise. They, they, you know, they've never had the experience of, of shooting on film and actually shooting for the grain, you know, and, and, and using a certain film for the grain. So if I, if I wanted to shoot really smooth black and white pictures on film, I would have gone for a 50 ISO film. Of course, that had its limitations, but it was as smooth as can be. But so that was a personal choice. You know, you either went one way or the other, and people quite often sat in there in the middle and used probably one of the most popular black and white films was uh, Ilford HP5, which was a 400 ISO. 400, that, that's generally a compromise, isn't it, between your 100s and your higher ones? Yeah, so but you, you could pull it or you could push it. If you did want to go up, you know, you could push it to 800 or even even higher, or you could pull it to 400. I don't, I don't think noise is a dirty word in digital. Digital is good because when, when you put film in a camera, for those 36 exposures or 24, you are stuck on an ISO of the film. With digital, you can raise it, you can lower it, you can do what you want. It's going to get to a point where if you go to the really high ISOs, you're not going to get a particularly usable image. But I don't think noise is a dirty word because I think it depends on people's expectations. You never see gig photography and people say, oh, that is a terrible picture. Look at the noise. Because people are people are used to that because to get those images at a gig in the when it's very dark and just a couple of lights on you have to shoot at high iso so you've got professional shooting at high isos you get that noise and you get a look of grain and so that's what people expect that's what people are used to i think it goes with what people are used to and again you might see some of those in black and white because they look a bit better or if there are colors and smoke on the stage it might stick with color but i think generally it's what meets people's expectations would you agree with that uh to an extent to an extent i still i i've been very just conscious of people that 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 when when people are offering critique one of the things that that maybe it is less common now because we're now in the in the realms of 30 odd megapixel uh, full frame sensors rather than the six megapixel full frame uh crop sensors that people might have started on 10 years ago so maybe it's less of an issue now, but it was something that I felt was quite common that people would make comment on 
you know, shame about the noise kind of thing, or a little too noisy for my taste, you know, that, that sort of thing. So it was a, it was a comment that, that would tend to be banded around and it was invariably not used in a positive context. I must say, I've not come across that, but to me, it's either you get the image at high ISO and it's a little bit noisy, or you get a blurry image. They're, those are your trade-offs. In a theatre, I would be shooting at 500th of a second, f2.8, and up to 3,200 ISO. If you're not in within those parameters, then you're really not in the game. Because with dance in particular, if you go much lower than that, in terms of, say, shutter speed, you're not going to freeze the movement. And even at 500, you can't freeze it all the time. If you need to go higher than that, then you're going to have to up the ISO. You can't go for a narrower aperture because that will bring your shutter speed down. You know, so there are lots of, you almost find yourself painted into a corner and you have to operate within those parameters. So, so noise in that respect, the question is how much do you want? How much do you want to, how much do you want to put up with? Because the more important things are, the, you know, the aperture and the shutter speed, you're not going to get away from those. And you've, you've got the practicalities as well, as well. I mean, you talked about freezing the action at 500, and I'd agree with that for dance. Normally one six, sorry, one sixtieth of a second, not one, one hundred sixtieth of a second there, I finally said it, is enough to freeze action, but obviously not for dance. There's the practicalities of taking the picture. You can't stop, stop, stop everyone, right? Can you just stand there for two seconds while I get this image? Because I don't want a lot of noise. I, I don't want to go above ISO 100. So you stand there for two seconds. Um, that's going to be my exposure. That just wouldn't work. Or carrying around loads and loads of flashes to freeze the image. It just doesn't work. None of, none of those. Certainly in a, in a theatre environment, none of those things are remotely possible. <laughs> Unless you've got the theatre to yourself, which I did have, I did have that about a week ago. I had the theatre to myself and I had the dancers to myself. So I was able to, and with the lighting guy, I was able to adjust it and do what I wanted to do. But, but you know, in normal circumstances, that's not the case. And, and you mentioned your aperture of f2.8. Was that a zoom lens? Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, or... So that was, that was as wide as you could get. But if you went wider with a prime lens, you've to get a faster shutter speed well to get to have a higher shutter speed you've got that problem if they move slightly they're going to be blurry even f 2.8 is a compromise is it even that's a compromise so um it's one of those things that you that becomes your comfort zone but believe it or not that that is a comfort zone you go right where are we mm. you look at the lighting on stage and you go right okay i can go to I think I might be able to get away with 2,000, 2,000th of a second, sorry, 2,000 ISO, 500th of a second, f2.8. That's my, that's my comfort zone, you know, that's where I'm operating. So, yeah, it's difficult. But having said that, that's taken us away from black and white. No, but, but it is interesting. It, it is a good point of discussion because, again, to get lower noise, you might want to go to a full frame camera rather than a crop sensor or a micro four thirds or something else. But again, there's a huge jumping cost for that. I have a full frame camera that I bought secondhand, the original 5D, and I get some amazing images from it. And I also have a crop sensor DSLR from Canon. Now, with my 5D, I would quite happily, happily shoot at extended ISOs of 3200. With my crop sensor, I probably wouldn't go over 800. Yeah. And I can get rid of quite a lot of the noise in Lightroom. 
Yeah, I wouldn't go over 800 with a crop sensor. The crop sensor I have. I'm guessing now if you bought the most modern Canon or Nikon, their crop sensor would be better. Apparently so, yeah. I've read that the... Um... I've read that the D500, which is their latest sort of high-end crop sensor camera, I've read that it's very good in, in low light, but um, I've, ne- I've never tested one. So No, I'm certainly going to make do with what I've got. I've got no need to, to replace my cameras at the moment. I'm quite happy with what I've got. They do the job for me. So we've talked about the advantages of black and white. We've We've talked quite a lot about noise, which... When we talk about black and white, the noise thing is always going to come up. So I was quite happy to talk about that. Shooting for other people. And we talked about expectations. So I think shooting for other people, certain things people will always want in colour. And certain things people will be quite happy to take a chance on black and white, won't they? Or sepia. Uh Or, you know, sometimes when I do a black and white, I like to put a bit of... I like to do a bit of split toning. There are some things where it's got to be colour. So that group wedding shot, that has everyone at the wedding, no one's going to want a black and white one for that. That's always going to want to be colour. Well, I don't know. You know, there's there's a there's a guy, there's a well known wedding photographer. I say well known, he's probably well known among wedding photographers. (laughs) This guy, can't remember his name, but he's an English guy who shoots only in black and white, or he he provides only black and white images. He also selects the images that the that the, the couple that the clients get if you book this guy to shoot your wedding you know that you're you're booking a guy that's going to give you the black and white images of his choice this guy's reputation precedes him and he's obviously done very well doing what he's doing so so in actual fact there's um it it, it goes back to that issue of um, somebody's individual palette i think and quite often if i you know i do a lot in color because the genre's that I shoot, there's quite often lots of colour involved. But sometimes you, you you convert something to black and white and give them that as an option and they wow, that's that's wow, you know, I didn't think it would look so good. It's the kind of reaction that you get. It it still comes back down to that gut feel and, you know, whether you feel it was right as an image, so or right for the image. So if you're shooting for somebody else, and for me, if I'm shooting for somebody else and I still think there's a, a better picture as a as a as a black and white image, then I'll produce that for them and I'll send it to them and I'll say, by the way, here's black and white, what do you think of this? And and, and then the reaction, mostly the reaction is very positive. It may well be that they just haven't considered it. I think in most instances they haven't considered it. And then they see it and then they go, oh wow, that looks fantastic. Can you do them all like that? You know, it's that, that sort of thing is, it can, can happen. Again, I think it's, a, it's very much an emotional thing. I think it goes back to expectations, though, because the wedding photographer you highlighted, the people he's working for have the expectation that you're going to get all your images in black and white. And and what you've highlighted in your sort of second anecdote is people expect to be given colour images, but when they're given black and white, which they had never considered having the option of, they actually quite like it. And I think when I've shot for people, I've done, I've given them some black and whites, and I've given them some colour, and some people have come back to me and said, can I have that, oh, that black and white one, can I have that in colour? They've also said, interestingly, that colour, what's it look like in black and white? And I think generally goes back to if you want to isolate something in an image, be the person, an expression, a thought, Mm. a mood, black and white normally works better for that, doesn't it? Another consideration is that there are various trends that that come and go in wedding photography, whether it was the 
you know, the color popping of 10 years ago, or the, 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 the vintage era, the washed out era, call it what you like. There's, 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 there are lots of styles that, that seem to, don't seem to last very long. I think with wedding photography, you're recording something that's always going to be of its time. And uh, so anybody that got married in the 70s will be looking back to their wedding photos with guys with their hair down to their shoulders and their huge wide lapels and flared trousers and platform soles. And they'll be looking at those and, and saying, what were we thinking? But the, the photography was, was just, it was what it was. You know, guy turned up and had maybe three rolls of film and shot his three rolls of film and that's what you got. Whereas now it, it's... Um, it's obviously very different. People expect a lot of images from, from wedding photographers, but they also have a, they're choosing people for their style. And, and, and those styles, regardless of the, the expertise of the talent of the photographer, those styles will date. Black and white will perhaps give greater longevity to the, to the, you know, the aesthetic um, appeal of those wedding photographs and, and but you know people will only know that after a period of time so when the vintage look is assay people flip through their albums if they ever do flip through their albums and they'll be oh remember when you know remember when photographers did this do you remember when photographers lifted the, the shadows um to get to create a vintage looking image with a digital camera yes whereas somebody who's perhaps got one of the guys that i was talking about before got a set from him they may be still looking at these timeless images that that still do it for them 10 or 15 or 20 years later any occasions where you think black and white photography doesn't work um i think you know you, you mentioned travel photography and i see um i see certain i see landscapes and and you've got these you know you've got these great landscape photographers that that get up at god knows what hour and go sit on the side of a hill or see from somewhere to capture that perfect sunrise or the perfect sunset and a lot of the time for me it's you know looking at those pictures it's all about the color it's almost like if you've got that perfect sunset it would be a shame to take out one of the key ingredients which is the you know the, the golden color or the purple sky or whatever it might be so yeah when the when when the color is an is an essential part of creating the impact of the image question i would ask is why would you take it out i would also say night photography i don't think would work in black and white where you have most of the images dark in night photography and you have pockets of light it might be a window it might be a car um in a cityscape of new york say at night time i just that wouldn't work in in black and white at all i think they i think they can work but the question is do they work as well as the color alternative and quite often they don't it's not if you saw the image in isolation you know what do you think of that and then if it's a great image it's a great image and if it's black and white then that would lend itself to some part of the success of that image but then it's the type of thing that people might then say well can i see the color ones you know i'd like to see i'd like to see it in color so i don't think it's a question of them not working it's just whether or not they work better because the, the, the color is an integral part of it. Or is it. Yeah, I think and anything in an image where people ask a question or, oh, what about, so to, to me always makes me feel like it hasn't worked. And particularly if the person who took the photograph or has developed it, it's asking that question. Oh, I think this looks better in black and white. Oh, I think this looks better in color. Then I, I don't think that's worked. What about, I think there's something where you rely on color. I think documenting something 
like your sports photography, like your your news work, your your images for papers, for TV. I think always, I think colour generally wins out there, doesn't it, compared to black and white? Yeah, maybe. Now, we talked earlier about cameras that, well, very brief mention of cameras that only shoot black and white because every camera, on almost every camera that's digital shoots colour. But you can get Leica made a monochrome only one, didn't they? Which sold, which sells for a fortune. So I think it's like all things Leica. I think it's $7,450 when I looked it up. Would you buy a black and white only camera? <laughs> no, certainly not for $7,000. No, no, I wasn't talking about that. I was just talking generally. Would you buy a black... If if the option ever came out? Everything has to have a, a why. You know, why why did you do that? If if I was... If I bought a black and white camera, I would be asking myself probably every time I pick it up, why did you do that? It reverses the process in, in the sense... I, I sh- when I, If I'm shooting an image that I see in black and white when I shoot it, I'll still shoot it in colour and then I'll convert it to black and white. So quite often I'll see an, I'll, I'll see an image that I'm, that I'm going to shoot or that I want to shoot. In my head, it's already black and white, but it might be that there's something in that image where the color has a place, you know. So having the option to either keep it in color or do something else with it or convert it to black and white is always, you know, I guess that it may well just be a practicality thing, but I think as soon as you take away you're going back to the days when you loaded up your black and white film and your 36 exposures were what you had. You know, what digital has done over the, over the years is it's, taken, it's, it's created a lot more possibilities and it's taken away a lot of limitations. So, I, 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 you know, I guess it's like printing in the dark room again. Why would you go back to something that, that imposed limitations on you that you've otherwise not had to deal with? And of course, there'll always be people people who want to do things just for their own personal pleasure. If that's what floats their boat, then... I have a different view on that. When I started shooting film, what I liked about it was the fact that I could shoot film. And once I took that picture, that was it. I couldn't edit it. What I'd captured was what I was captured. With digital, there's, there's such a temptation to tinker and tinker and tinker. Wipe the slate and tinker and tinker and tinker. And what I like about shooting film is it, it's... It's final. So one of the cameras that I recently bought, I bought a secondhand Fuji X100, quite cheap because I bought it secondhand and it's quite old and there's been several versions of it later. So I think there's the X100F now. And that has a 23mm fixed focus lens on, which gives a 35mm equivalent. And so I have huge limitations with that compared to other cameras I have where I can change the lenses or I can zoom. I like the fine. I do like the finality of it. It's light. I take it out with me. I shoot an image. That's that. And I'm not going to edit it. So going back to that question, I asked you, would you like a black and white only camera? In a way, I would, because you see, if I went out with that black and white only camera, I wouldn't be doing any editing of the images because to me, the image has already been edited by being shot in black and white. In a way, I'd get my life back because I wouldn't be editing images so much and I'd be out shooting more photographs and out enjoying myself a bit more. So in a way, imposing those limits on yourself can have a good effect. Now, 
I certainly wouldn't want to buy it for seven and a half thousand dollars for the body only but no and I certainly wouldn't want it for my main camera but if a camera came out that was black and white only I might think yeah I will give that a go I it would depend on the price and you went back to the why and if there was a really good camera that came out and it was half pro the black and white version was half price then I'd probably you know go for that but yeah I think black and white less editing more fun for me the you know 95 percent of the images I shoot are going to be consumed by other people. So the, if I'm going to shoot something for fun, then I, I want um, as many options to get as much out of it as I can. So that would be the, that would be the limiting factor. I, I, I have enough work to do in, in terms of producing images for other people that when I'm doing something for myself, I, I, I don't want a limitation. I Actually, I want things to be made easier i want the choices to be made easier that's really the thing the choice what you say is right i think in the sense that it's no different from the experience of putting in your 36 rolls of of xp2 or tmax whatever and going out and shooting that and then having that printed when i think about that that just takes me back you know it takes me back 20 odd years while i have a sense of a, a little sense of nostalgia and i would i'd probably quite like to walk back into the dark room and, and look and smell the chemicals and what have you and have a fleeting sense of nostalgia. I've got no desire to get back into the whole time-consuming way of doing things. And, and, and so those limitations I associate to that period as well, you know, the fact that you could only have that as an outcome, whereas digital in its current format gives us so much more. Will the next set of pictures I shoot contain some black and white? Quite possibly. But um, do I still want the option of producing them in colour? Absolutely. True. I mean, some of my most cherished photos are within with an Instax camera. So I've taken some of my family with an Instax camera. And of course, you take the photo, the film pops out the top and it develops like, like a Polaroid. And that's great. Me and my daughter, we take those images of ourselves. They might not be quite in focus, that they're not a perfect image because you can't see what you're taking, but they're great. We stick them on the fridge and even though they're not a perfect image, they are timeless because they captured a moment of fun, of happiness in, in our family. And recently, Instax brought out monochrome and I'm, I've got some amazing images of that and I much prefer the monochrome image. So... I mean, we're we're different. You shoot from a professional point of view, and I shoot from a fun point of view. So I, I am quite happy just to have that snapshot sometimes that I know I can't change. And for me, the ability not to change it is great because if I could change it, I would fiddle about with it to the nth degree, and then I would think I've lost sight of why I did this. That wasn't the reason I took this picture to adjust its white balance and adjust the shadows I took it because I wanted to and it was fun and I think so many people forget why they took the image they spend so much time editing it well yeah I mean I have um, three images in a frame that I shot of my eldest daughter who's now 16 when she was about three months old shot them using available light in black and white you know the old almost very old-fashioned naked baby on a bed kind of pictures and I still have that those three pictures up on the wall occasionally when I look at them, I, I think 
you know, that maybe the exposure could have been a bit better. Probably the highlights could have been, um, you know, managed better um, or would have been in, in post-production if we'd had that option. And uh, and even now, the mounting and the framing of it, of it you know, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm doing stuff to, to a much higher standard. So I, I look at it and I think, but it that that then takes away from the the fundamental picture of you know what it is. It's my then three month old daughter, my first child, um, and it was a, a a magical moment in in that little person's life, you know. So uh, and, and ultimately, that's what it should be. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. Sometimes we do uh, overthink things. And I think on on that note, we're going to draw today's episode to a close because we've been talking for quite some time and it's also a nice place to stop it with magical moments. So I want to thank everyone for listening today and I want to thank Drew especially for having this conversation with me and it has been a good conversation and it has been an interesting conversation. So don't forget to check back on our other episodes of the 160th of a second podcast We're starting to get into a rhythm of making them. So do check back for future episodes. Do listen to our other episodes. We're now on iTunes, so you can download the episodes, listen to them on your daily commutes. And and two two old men droning on about something is probably better than listening to Radio 1 on your way in to work. So yeah, do do check us out and do tune in for later episodes. I've been Gareth. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Drew. And goodbye. Thank you.